listening to the new mama's podcast. Hey everyone, it's your host, Lena Forrestal. And today we're going to be talking about healing generational trauma. We have a special guest on with us today, Julissa Edwards, a licensed psychotherapist, retired adjunct psychology professor. She's also a mindset coach. She has a a lot of things going on, which I'm sure she'll tell you about today. (laughs) Julissa, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yes. Thank you so much, Lena. Thank you for having me. So yeah, my name is Julissa Edwards. I am currently a mama of two under two. So life is pretty busy right now. (laughs) It's beautifully chaotic as is motherhood. Um, And I have a really uh, grand passion for helping mothers on their own spiritual and mental health journeys. So I hope that talking about, you know, generational trauma today can be insightful and can help mamas get on the right path to do the inner work themselves. That is awesome. Two under two, like definitely feel free to reference that (laughs) whenever it comes up, because I'm sure a lot of mamas can relate. Yeah, I heard two under two is very intense, but at least you have you also have this as they get older, this such intense, beautiful bond that they have because they are so close in age. So it's very cool. So first, let's do some definitions. How do we define trauma? So trauma is really like a a spectrum, um, but there's generally three types of trauma. There is acute trauma, chronic trauma, and a complex trauma. And simply said, acute is just a small, like one-time incident, something really big happened. And when I say big, big could be so different subjectively to every person, right? So that's why we always say it's on a spectrum because something that could have happened in your childhood, Lena, could have affected me greater or not at all, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all to the person's person's subjective experience. But acute trauma just means a one-time big incident to their perspective that has changed the way that they perceive the world, their behavioral responses to things. And that coincides for chronic trauma, which is maybe one repeated long-term event. Um, Let's say like if you had a parent who had substance abuse issues, they're kind of always coming home with that or they're seeing it all the time. And then complex trauma is um, complex. It's the most complicated one of them all where it's a bunch of different traumatic events kind of happening at once. And you kind of just feel bombarded with all that's happening um, day in and day out of your everyday life. Thank you for those definitions super helpful because we do hear about trauma a lot on social media and sometimes, which is both amazing love that we're having dialogue around these, but they can also be confusing because we do have a lot of people who are not licensed or or not clinical talking about trauma. So it can be a little bit confusing. So that was super helpful. Now, how do we define generational trauma? Yeah. So Super passionate about this. So generational trauma is just any of those things that have happened to you that get passed down. And the way they get passed down looks different for everybody, right? So sometimes a child can just look in, when I say child, like always just think about yourself and your own childhood, right? And what you pick up from either your caretakers or your parents, um, anyone that you were spending a lot of time with growing up, what you literally like a sponge absorb from them, right? Whether it be good or bad. And so generational trauma is like psychological and emotional wounds that do get passed down um, and transferred to future generations affecting you, the, per- your, the person experiencing, and then also potentially your offspring. And that's how it gets. That's why we call it generational, because it keeps going down the line. I see. Yep. 
Do you have any personal experience with generational trauma that you feel comfortable sharing today? And if not, no worries. I actually probably should have asked you before (laughs) the call, but feel free to just... Oh, no, girly. I am an open book. Um, I feel that a lot of things in motherhood, a lot of things in life, period, um, we keep hush because of fear of how, you know, how it may come off or whatever may have you. But I think that one of my greatest strengths in becoming a helper, healer, a coach to people in general, but especially mothers, is that I am super real with like the effed up things that have happened in my past you know, and, and how I've gotten over them and how I'm still working through some of them. So no shame at all, really. I am an open book. So yeah, when I, when I was like, what do, which one do I pick? <laughs> um, like, so... which one? No, I feel, I yeah. feel that I can, I can relate, like, especially, I don't know if some of this is, we were, before we started recording everyone, we were talking about our home countries, where our families are from. Julissa and I are both first generation immigrants. So we were both born here, but our families are from Latin America or South America. So um, I know that in my experience, a lot of the generational trauma has come from things that have been passed down. And actually one of them is like one of the things I feel like is generational and also somewhat cultural is keeping things hush hush. You don't share anything with anybody. Don't share your problems. Don't be crazy. Like all this all the stuff I heard growing up, which is really yeah. damaging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, don't, literally, don't be crazy. Like, don't let other people know what's happening inside. Yeah. So, and and what I love to say, even as I'm saying, like, jokingly, you know, which one do I pick? Like, I like I experienced trauma. There's such a broad spectrum. And so even though many things have been passed down to me, it's not so much like, woe is me, like everything. Like, you know, like, there's just little tidbits that, and I'll share maybe a couple to give examples of, like, this was a, a big thing that happened to me that took a lot of time to decompress and process versus like small little cultural habits that I picked up, um, habits from my parents. I was just like, hmm, I could I could be better at this or I could do without this um, influence, you know, that I would like to stop with me so that my children don't pick up the full the full category of that. Right. So I think one of the things that stands out to me the most that I've recently been struggling with is anger. Growing up, I am like, you're shaking. I'm like, maybe a lot of moms feel anger, right? So, um, or just people in general, right? So growing up, my my father, wonderful human being. He's a wonderful man, father, husband, all the things. And he struggled a lot with his anger issues, right? And so in reflection of me growing up and all the things, I think I've always had anger as like an underlying emotion that was like just always like on the breaking point of being released throughout my upbringing, childhood, adolescence, you know, and it just looked different in different phases of my life, right? So what I've come to notice about me and my father, we have a lot of similarities and, you know, having healed and having worked through this, I'm able to have more compassion for him than I did when I was like 16 years old, right? Where we butted a lot, like butted heads a lot. And his anger most definitely stems from control. And that's just another way of saying anxiety, right? Anxiety is always this want or need to have things in your perfect manner in a certain way. And if it doesn't go that way, 
everyone responds differently. You can either have a panic attack or get really nervous or anxious, or you get extremely angry and volatile, right? And so, you know, everyone responds to things differently. And my father was someone to respond with anger, right? A lot of, uh, and this is also cultural, like head of the household firm, what I say is what goes, there's no if and or buts kind of energy, right? And um, I most definitely picked that up, right? So when I've never, it's interesting because I've never considered myself an anxious person because I was always a high performer. I had it together, was able to do all the things, but I, and I, and I also wouldn't consider myself a perfectionist. It's just that under extreme times of pressure, I most definitely want things done a certain way. And if it's not done that way, I get, um, extremely irritable to the point where I might shake because I'm so angry, right? Like I want to just like cringe and like my body gets really tense and tight to now most recently, it's it's fabricated differently as I've grown up, but re- like right now in motherhood, it's with my toddler and my baby. And when 202 life is just up like crazy, I get so enraged that I literally like shake or I get so upset and I notice it. I'm like, why is this little thing that obviously has nothing to do with me or that my children obviously cannot control upsetting me so much? Right. And so, yeah, like that's that's a simple yet complex version of generational trauma and how it's been passed down to me. Thank you for sharing that. That is such a you painted such a great picture in how that shows up from what you've what you experienced in childhood. And now you mentioned in your email that children are often mirrors to us and how that Mm -hmm. comes almost full circle and how we suddenly parent and it's not a conscious choice of I'm going to parent this way it really is kind of that subconscious what we witness how we experience parenting we're pulling at because we don't know any other way similarly I also I I grew up in a household with a lot of yelling that was I think my parents bless them got married young experienced a lot of different trauma on either of their sides. My dad was a refugee three times from different countries. So he already came into the relationship with a lot of challenges and they just struggled to communicate. And is actually something I witnessed today. Even I think they still struggled to communicate a little bit. So what I witnessed as a little girl was a, a household with a lot of, a lot of anger and a lot of yelling And I also went through a period when my son was about 18 months where I would get so frustrated and I would just, I wouldn't yell. I think I yelled at him maybe once or twice and it was so heartbreaking for me where I think like maybe, Mm -hmm. like you said, it affects different people, like certain things affects different people differently. When I Mm -hmm. yelled at my son, I almost felt like, I feel like I'm going to cry talking about this, but like my heart like really broke because I became everything I hated in in growing up. And it was like, it's like, okay, I made a promise to myself that we would never be the house that yells because that was something that was so awful for my sister and I to grow up in that I want to break that cycle. But then I became that. So it's mm. it's just like very interesting how it does come full circle. And I know a lot of moms listening can probably pull on some of these things that they've experienced in their own life but but from that now I just whisper <laughs> which I kind of giggle I mean I did, <laughs> yeah. I did a little bit I did a lot of work in between then 
to understand that part of myself and almost like retrain, like the retrain the systems of like when X happens, like what happens next. So instead of like yelling, I whisper, I'm like, okay, Archie, you're going to listen to mommy now. <laughs> and maybe that's going to yeah. mess. Who knows? Maybe that will mess him up one day. He's like, my mom, my mom anger was uh, angry whispered. So I prefer it to yell first. now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, we can laugh about it now, but it's a, yeah, it's something 100%. that's super And I'm relatable. still in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still in it. So like right now what I'm doing and I, you know, you can know all the things and this is my background. Like I, you know, I teach these things and when you're in it in real time, there's like the logical brain and then the emotional brain. It's like mm -hmm. you can know better. And then it's like, how do you really respond? Right. And so what I do now is I'm just, I'm more in tune with my, with my little cute points of like, you're getting upset. Like you're getting frustrated, you're getting very irritable. And I will, I'm all about honesty. So I will be very frank. My son is only, well, he's about to be two literally next week. So he's 23 months and change, oh, right? Yay. And I, yeah, I'm so excited. He's such a, he's going so fast. Let's not, let me, I will get emotional talking about that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but he, like, I will tell him, I'm like, listen, Marcus, like mommy's getting very upset. Like, can you please help mommy out or do X, Y, and Z? Like, I'm, I will be, so, like talking to him like he's an adult I'm finding myself getting very irritable Marcus like please help mommy out like you know and I'm just super blunt with him um and even now as I'm saying it it sounds very calm but sometimes it's not that calm I'm like Marcus like mommy's about to lose it like literally like please chill out you know like I'm just expressing to him that like I have an emotional bandwidth and it's it's gonna break um you know and that results in me yelling usually most of the time and I I also don't want to go there so, thank yeah. you. Thank you for sharing that. And how did you begin to heal your own personal generational trauma? And you mentioned you're still very much in the thick of it. And I think healing is a lifelong journey. But where did you begin that process? Yeah, so I think so many different points. For me, the healing journey is like, it's a cycle, right? You you see something, you want to work on it, if you're conscious about it, right? You see something, you want to work on it, and you do. And there's a point in your healing journey where it seems like you've solved it. It seems like you've done really well with this thing. It's like, yay, us, like, we're doing so much better. And it's like, very much a positive thing to experience. And then... um. I like to see things that we're healing from, they they kind of reappear in different chapters of our life in different facets. So this same topic of anger, I dealt with as um, a young teen when I was like 15, 16, and it looked like extreme rage. Like I like definitely had like an emo punk phase, like I hated the world. I was like, wanted to be in my own thing. I was very... Um, angry, you know, at, a lot, at many things. And I just retreated a lot. I would want to be by myself a lot. And I kind of just put my head down and I got to work with whatever it is that I was doing. So I would always excel in like schools or sports or whatever may have you, but it was driven by a lot of anger, right? And this wanting to be the best, because it was kind of like an FU of like, whoever doubted me, blah, 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 like very angry. Um, and so growing up, I worked on that. I was like, oh, okay, I understand where this comes from. I see all the things. And it's like, Shh, thought I squashed it, thought we thought we was was done with this, right? Then I got pregnant with Marcus. And um, for me personally, my pregnancy was 
a huge spiritual awakening. It, it mm-hmm. almost made me face all of my like inner demon demons all over again to the point where it was very confusing, unsettling. And I was like, I thought I worked through this. Why is this coming up for me again? Why am I feeling these emotions so intensely now? That it was just the acceptance of you can heal. And it's just the simple fact that these core beliefs and values that we attach ourselves to, that we one day work through, we are working through them. And then life teaches you again to work through it again when it comes up in a different timeline of your life, a different chapter, a different stressor. I always say that stressors, when you put pressure on something, things pop out, right? And they could be new things or they could be things that were always there. They're just really showing up now because you're under a lot of stress. And that's why I always, I'm so passionate about helping mothers because we're under a lot of stress, <laughs> right? You know, our children are the most beautiful things that ever happened to us. And they're also an immense amount of stress. And when, you, when you're when you under that pressure, a lot of things boil over. And depending on how much inner work you've done, you're either experiencing it for the first time or you're like, what the hell? I thought I was good on this. And now it's coming back. Why do you think you started to experience those intense emotions of like everything kind of bubbling back up into the surface while you were pregnant? And was there a stage of pregnancy where you started to feel it more? Was it when, you know, your bump was bigger and things we got like got more real? Like, can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm super spiritual. And so as much as I am, uh, I love science and I'm nerd about all things psychological in the mind I'm also extremely woo and like super spiritual and so I like to combine both in my practice and just embodying what I preach and what I teach and what I stand by and so my pregnancy was both with my son Marcus and my daughter Maya spiritual awakenings in the sense of like I felt all the emotions very deeply in my first trimester Mm -hmm. um so much so that I most definitely struggle with prenatal depression uh, for the first 12 weeks, um, severely, like it was bad. Like it was, it was just really hard for me, um, particularly with both pregnancies, actually them being so close in age, Maya's journey with me throughout my pregnancy was almost identical to Marcus. If anything, wow. it was a little bit worse because yes, uh, emotionally, if anything, it was a little bit worse because in that first trimester, because not only was I feeling all the emotions and I was very sad and crying and had a very low energy, it was very fatigued. Um, I was also throwing up like three to four times a day. <laughs> that does not help at all. Like feeling so at sick. All. Like how can you even begin to try and feel mentally well when your body is just so ill? Yeah. 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 It was, uh, but, but so that, that's what happened in my pregnancy. So it was, it was at the very beginning. Um, second trimester for both pregnancies for me, I felt a rush of energy and, um, it kind of mimicked the chapters in my life, to be quite honest. I felt that's why I felt it was so spiritual because it was like so many hidden messages and everything that I was going through. It was like the beginning of your life was kind of sad for you, Julie. So like it was, you were dealing with a lot of like interpersonal stuff in your life, um, low self-esteem issues, a lot of anger in the household. You kind of grew up to be this like rageful, angry teenager. And then you went to college and you like found yourself and you were like this great leader that you've always been, but you shined bright and Mm -hmm. you did all these things and you were head of this and head of that and are part of this organization and all the things and you got great grades and 
it was just like a really powerful, uplifting time in my life, which to me was like my second trimester. I was on it. I was like working out all the time. And I had the energy. I wasn't trying to do that. I wanted to do all these things. Um, I like made the most money in my business in the second trimester. Like I was on it. Just like this, yeah, just like this huge power of energy. And then my third trimester for both was just kind of like a chill out, like baby's almost here. You're obviously physically bigger. Um, and I carry big. My my son was nine pounds, 10 ounces, Ooh. something like that. And my baby, <laughs> oh girl, the, my baby girl was 12 pounds. No. <laughs> Wait, what? Yes. That is so <laughs> yes. wild. 12 pounds. And it was vaginal? 12 pounds. Vaginal birth or Vaginal home birth all natural for my baby girl 12 pound you heard it here first folks 12 pounds <laughs> vaginal birth at home that's a whole separate podcast episode yes. by the way you're gonna have to come back and just talk about that i would love to that is the human body I would love is to. truly amazing incredible amazing goddess energy mm-hmm. right there yeah, I most definitely called upon all my ancestors during that time because Ser- I was like, what is Seriously, going Seriously, we're going to need all the help, okay? This is a all-hands-on-deck situation. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so my pregnancy, you know, it was very spiritual for me in that sense how it, like, perfectly mimicked the different chapters of my life. And then also I began to be more in tune with my psychic capabilities um, during both pregnancies. Marcus kind of opened up like a lot of visions for me. I've always been highly intuitive. I think that's why I'm in the field of counseling because I've always been able to like see what's happening with someone, even if they don't tell me. And I've always been able to guide people through that just through like. Incredible. That's a gift. And and just sure. It it really is. It really is. And um, I didn't always see it that way. (laughs) I I used to doubt it. And um, I went to school and, you know, I got my master's and all the things. And I was like, well, that's why I'm good at what I do. And part being, yes, I studied all my things and became good in the scholastic, like academic way. But I think once I really sat with myself, it's like, this is my greater purpose. Um, And I've been gifted with this ability to do these things. And I should just utilize that. Um, and Marcus really helped me see that in a greater sense where, um, I began seeing things, um, having very vivid, like dreams and and even in my meditations and just, if I was intuitive before it was just like amplified, um, with Marcus. So yeah, huge spiritual awakenings and, uh, very, very, just a very spiritual, uh, experience for me with both of my children. I love that you could access that because it, it pregnancy can be such a tumultuous time and birth as well. So it is nice that you were able to access that. How did you work on accessing it? Do you journal? Did you meditate? Like, what are some of the tools that you used to access that energy? The beginning of my business is kind of what offset my spiritual journey, ironically. Um, I was meant, I always picked mentors that were super spiritual. And I didn't pick them because they were spiritual. It was just like, oh, and I'm super spiritual. Um, I've now learned that I was definitely picking them that way on purpose, just not knowing it. Or the universe was putting them in front of me for that same reason, just not knowing it. And so uh, my first mentor in business, she really helped me see, her name is Taylor Ray. She's amazing. She really helped me see the power of journaling and meditation and leaning inward and, um, and seeing how this is an act of service. What I do for others is really an act of service and my body is simply a vessel 
and to just simply answer to the calling of what you were destined to be and become at this time. And so it really shifted um, business for me because it was, you know, I've always been passionate about this, but then I just saw it in a very sacred manner of this is my gift. I should be honoring this, you know, and um, it changed, changed the game for me to then my future mentors were just even more woo and more magical in their craft and in their business. And so now to hone in that part of myself, I hire spiritual mentors. Um, I always have one. I've almost always had one since 2020. And how has that benefited you, you think? Like, has, is it, like, how does that work for you? Yeah. So a spiritual mentor, it like coach, right? And so you can have a coach for mental health, for fitness, for nutrition, whatever may have you. And I, I have mentors alongside of me, literally helping me, whether they're taking me through different like somatic experiences, breath work or um, shamanism, uh, different spiritual, I guess, pathways to help me get to help me get more in tune with my messaging, my dharma, my purpose on earth. And um, that making me feel centered and grounded within myself. And then allowing that allowing that energy to also be able to help other people that come into my path, seeking my help at this time. Hey everyone, it's your host, Lena Forrestal, taking a quick break from this podcast episode to ask you to support the show. I do this show because I love it. And as a self-funded creator, your support can help me pay for things like podcast hosting and an editor. So here's how you can help. Share this episode with a mom friend, caretaker, or soon to be mom friend. Leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you wanted to throw me some coins, you can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Any little bit helps and I appreciate your support. Finally, give me a follow on Instagram at Lena Forrestal. I love meeting my listeners, so definitely send me a DM and introduce yourself. Now, let's get back to the show. Do you think all of that is related to healing that generational trauma that you've experienced? Um, hmm. I think that healing in general, whether you're breaking generational trauma or, I mean, I guess technically if you're healing, I just never even seen it this way. If you're healing, I, I think you're technically breaking generational trauma, no matter what you're healing from, especially right. if you have offspring. If you don't, it's good for you, right? But you one day may become a parent. And because you're a more refined version of yourself, that's your breaking generational trauma. And even if honestly you're not a parent and you're an aunt or an uncle or you're around children, um, your your energy, I, I've I've counseled many people who are aunties and uncles, and they they are that supportive uh, force field for their nieces and nephews that maybe they're not getting from their parents. So I think in general, if you're looking inward to heal, it's for yourself and then it's also for anyone else that you touch. Uh, and if you're a human, you're touching so many lives in, in different in different facets. So I think your question of like, is my spiritual mentor is what's been really helping me break generational trauma. I think it's just one of the many things that I do to work on myself that's been really helpful for me in my interpersonal journey. Right. So it's like, um, it's related, but like removed, if that makes sense. Like if we're drawing yeah. like a path of all the different things we do to heal, because it's not just, yeah. I think healing doesn't look like just one thing. Like you mentioned, you're, there's traditional talk therapy, there's spiritual coaching. A lot of people dive into their faith. 
into their religion. So yeah. I feel like there's a lot of things like healing the the beginnings of healing and deepening the relationship with yourself looks different, but it's like all the little things you do that like come back into yourself. How do yeah. we see generational trauma pop up in motherhood? We gave the example, we both kind of shared like anger, like anger, yelling. I know a lot of mamas experience a lot of rage, like postpartum rage is a real thing. But what mm -hmm. other things do we see? So actually one like one example that one of my friends shared is her she's experienced a lot of trauma with her mother. She doesn't have a relationship with her mother anymore. One of the things that she remembered very deeply was her mother brushing her hair very aggressively and angrily. And mm -hmm. and one of the things that she shared recently is how she brushes her son's hair. Oh, I feel like I'm going to cry again. Where she would be gentle and patient and like show that it's like a loving movement act. instead of like an act. Yeah. yeah. Instead of like something that is like, like you painful, fear it. Aggressive. Yeah. Painful, fearful. Yeah. Aggressive. So I, I, I never thought about it that way, but I was like, that is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Have you seen generational trauma pop up in other ways in motherhood? Not for yourself, um, but even just like in general. Yeah. I think that that's a beautiful example. Um, I, I just, I like honor all of us, right? If anyone's listening to this podcast, like you're obviously on this journey of wanting to know more and what a beautiful gift that is for our children. Like that one example of your friend with the hairbrush, like that's beautiful. Um, that one simple change that we're cognizant of that we don't want to repeat into our baby's lives, right? So I, I think in general, motherhood, you're, you're raising tiny humans, right? And when we do that, you begin to take everything into accord. You begin to think about, you question a lot of things like, is this affecting my baby? How am I doing this? And, and as you're doing that, it automatically, maybe not right away, but it triggers a memory of like, how was that done to me? Mm -hmm. Or when we simply react out of habit and out of learned behaviors and we're like, whoa, where did that come from? And then you begin to think backwards and you're like, holy crap, I am picking this up from my parents, right? And so no matter what, that's why I said like motherhood is a huge mirror. You one, because I, like I said prior, you're under a lot of stress. And so you you get to see like kind of who you really are because you can be great and positive and friendly and all the things when things are wonderful. <laughs> um, and, you know, it takes it takes real vulnerability to look in the mirror when things are tough and like yeah. seeing how do I respond here, right? And so um many things in your life prior to becoming a mother could have been very hard for you. And I still believe that when you add motherhood on top of it, it's just harder. It's just even that much harder. Right. And so you're like this accumulation of all these stories that you've accumulated over the, over your past. And then they form into these core beliefs as to who you think you are and how you think the world works and your mindset and all these things. And then there's comes these little children who simply by being raised by our energy and if they're your biological children your dna they pop up they do things that you did mm -hmm. and you're like how the hell what the hell what's going on like you know and so they are in so many different ways a mirror to who you are how you react um they're they're just you're kind of just like on a stage and it's like you're you're kind of like being watched 
And it may not be by your, I mean, your children are watching you, but you feel this like sense of like always being looked at, whether it's by you and you're gaining so much information at this time. And I think mothers will either look at it and sit with it and they might feel really guilty about it or whatever may have you, or they might just close their eyes and not want to admit or recognize or see anything at all. So powerful, especially the line where you said that we are a culmination of stories that have happened in our life. Like that's wild. Like for me, it's 34 years of these little stories that make up who I am. It's crazy. It's all, it's even crazier Mm -hmm. when you have children, you suddenly are like the, not the writer of their story, but kind of an early childhood like influencer yeah Mm -hmm. like which actually like take a step back that's wild the fact that you will be writing their story or a huge influencer of their story for and a lot of these years and i think that's what they why they say i think it's something like the first five to seven years i'm probably butchering that are very critical to a child's development and who they are for the rest of their lives like that actually makes sense now, like taking a step back mm-hmm. and thinking about it. No pressure, everybody. Yeah. No pressure. No, pr- I literally, I say the same thing all the time. I think when we learn that we're like, what? Holy crap. Am I messing up my child? No. The, the beautiful thing is that, you know, with you can um, reform what may have been broken or what may have caused trauma because the reality is is that no matter what we do we we can't be perfect Mm -hmm. and even if we try to be the best of the best of the best there's still something that's going to affect our child and that's just the normal human experience um and there's nothing wrong with that i think what's i always tell mothers like the 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 goal isn't to be perfect it's to be conscious and understanding and to empathize with our children and the greatest way to do that is to do it to ourselves first if we've never held space for our traumas, our upbringings, our stories, and then try to demantle the stories that doesn't that don't serve us, we could. How could we ever hold space emotionally for our children? We have to do it to ourselves first, which is, again, like which is why I'm so passionate about helping mamas on their mental health and spiritual journeys. Because the more in tune you are with yourself, the better you can hold space for your baby. Specifically, the older they get, because the older they get life becomes more complex right and so in the beginning stages like it's just emotion it's just like we're happy we're sad we're frustrated right and we're teaching them all the things and then they go to school and they get influences from the outside and things get more complicated and you're not going to be able to keep up with them if you're not doing the inner work for yourself mic drop that's what it feels like wow that's incredible so then how do we begin to heal from that trauma, whether it's, I guess, generational or not. Yeah, I think, I think I always say like, if you're listening, if you're someone who's like watching content like this, listening to podcasts like this, you're obviously intrigued and somewhat aware, mm-hmm. right? Versus, or you could be very aware, which is like wonderful, right? So I, I would say the first step is always just to have um, acceptance that things could be better and that you've picked up some bad habits along the way right and I always say we say all those things with compassion with love like we're not trying to belittle ourselves or tell ourselves that we're bad or 
you know, this is a mess. Like, no, we're, the, the, the more enlightened you can become, the better for you and for your children. And so the beginning is like, how do you start doing this? Like, start becoming very curious. Um, I usually tell my mothers, like, if you're very, very new to this, the best thing you can be is to be curious and ask questions without judgment. And that is really hard. It's an ongoing practice, but that, the being curious, being a detective, why do I respond this way? Where did I learn this from? How long have I been acting this way? Does it only happen with my children? Oh, does it also happen with my significant other? Oh, has it also happened with my friendships in the past? Do I respond to, how come I don't respond to um, my job this way? How come certain people I can play this part? Like literally you're just asking questions, right? To become very curious and within due time, this is also where I believe the spirituality piece of, of us come in. I always say that we're simply uh, souls living the human experience. Our souls are so uh, wise and ever knowing and they're much older than we are in our human bodies, right? And so if we begin to ask these questions, depending, you know, spirituality is just a connection to self and to soul. It doesn't matter what religion you pertain to or whatever may have you, it's just a deep connection to self, right? And so if you begin asking these questions and you're kind of just like leaving it up to spirit to answer and help us figure out, they will come. The answers will come. But if you come to these questions and assumptions of like, yeah, why do you always do things this way? Or like, God, why do you answer that way all the time? You're just shunning um, yourself, the, the inner child that lives within you. And no one's going to want to interact with uh, judging energy like that, right? So when we say like the compassion and grace, like, yes, it's so important, but on for so many different reasons, like if you're trying to uh, have external, well, it's internal, but, you know, wisdom from beyond this human body that you have, you, you have to be loving to invite other uh, pieces of wisdom in and them feeling safe to give you that kind of uh, insight to why things are the way they are. That makes a lot of sense. I think you walked, we walked through what the benefits of healing generational trauma are, but did you want to talk about why you believe it's important to begin that healing journey? I think particularly for moms, I, I think it's, we have an even greater motivation now. And even as I say that, it's kind of tricky because I still fumble in between the lines of like, we want to do this for for us and for our children. And it's this common line that gets kind of blurred, even for me of like, am I doing this for me? And of course, if I do it for me, it's for my children. But like, where's a sense of like independence that like you're doing mm-hmm. something for you right. and not, but the reality is, is that you birth these children. And so they are attached to you. Right. Um, and this, I'm not, you know, don't quote me, but there I've seen uh, like articles or I've read things where it's like, now scientists are proving that up until the age of 18, we're somehow still connected to our children on like a cellular level. Right. And so it's like, if, you know, we, we want, I am all about like mom bosses and like us like doing our own things. And I'm all about that, uh, you know, and at the same time, I'm also still very heavily invested in like, they're a part of us, <laughs> no matter what you do, like they're a part of us. Right. And so, you know, how, how is generational trauma? Why is it so important? It literally will not only benefit your life, but the benefit, it will benefit your offspring. And if you're really looking, like when people say things like um, you're your ancestors, like wildest dreams, you are, you most definitely are. They did things in their life and their trajectory and their path 
that they would only hope it's like they're moving the needle forward every single time mm-hmm. and your ancestors can look down on you and be like holy shit like this is what I wanted for you you know like so what I could only dream of for myself and I'm so happy that you can do it and so you have to recognize that you although you are alive and a human at this time you will one day be an ancestor you will one day be a spirit who's no longer here and so this is like literally like what are you doing to move the needle forward for your family, for your DNA, for your offspring? Like it's all dependent on what you do with your life today, right? So it's very much still about us. It's like, I'm doing this for me, but I'm also very cognizant that because I'm doing it for me, it's 100% affecting my children. And I, that's great. I, I want that to be the case. What if you're on this journey and your partner is not great question maybe i'll leave it there like how well i guess my other my secondary question is what if they have their own journey to go on but they haven't even like turned on the car maybe they recognize some of the shortcom like not shortcomings but they they recognize some of the challenges they went through but they haven't even begun to address it and maybe you see patterns in them of deflecting it or not doing things so that they don't have to face it i feel does this sound a yeah. lot really like coded um, no it's no 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 it's so sense? relatable it's it's okay yes yes it's something that a lot of my clients struggle with to be quite honest and i think like even myself um so i'll give you two perspectives on it like me as a healer and as a, as a therapist and you know mindset coach and all the things there's been many times in my own interpersonal journey um where i'm like obsessed with like doing all the work and getting all the things and i'm learning so much about myself and it's it's so empowering and like lifting for me that i want everybody to feel what i'm feeling right i'm like oh my god life is grand life is great like do this do like you know and i've definitely um have gotten into those things of like first and foremost on every like people have to be ready to do the work and so i can be an educator which i think that i am and i can be uh, a sense of like uh encouragement for others um but that's it like I, i had to learn that the hard way like that is it um even with people that i'm helping like i have full reign to help them and motivate them and help them look inward because they're choosing me to guide them at this time so it's kind of like uh a sacred like yes i am open to all the things that you are willing to give me to strangers to people on the street to my friends to my family members if they are not asking for help i cannot share because i've done it in the past and it just it's either it's either my voice or my insight being wasted and that's okay because they didn't ask for it i was just spitting it on to them. And so if you have a partner who you're it's like the mom is on this healing journey and she's recognizing all these things and it's like what the hell are you doing over there like are you picking up on this like you know yeah. and that can be very frustrating. That can be very frustrating. And what I always say is every person is different. So I'm going to give a blanket answer but you know every couple is different. As long as there's no like extreme endangerment to your child at this time due to their actions or lack of their actions, you're going to have to stay in your own lane and continue to work on yourself. If somebody wants to see change, they will usually be inspired to do it by your efforts of doing it for your own life. 
And then when people see the app, you see it all the time happen, even on social media, right? Like somebody could say like, I'm going on a juice cleanse or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And it's like, cool, (laughs) do you bro? Like, that's awesome, you know? And then when they see the end result of like, my skin is clear, I feel better, I'm doing all these things. And then people are like, wait, 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 what did you do? (laughs) Right. Right. So so it's literally the, the same thing. It's like, if you just keep your eyes on your own mat, and you just stay focused to your path and what you're supposed to be learning and unlearning, if it's really working, shifts will be happening energetically with inside of you and that will touch other people. That is a great answer. I'm not a professional by any means, but at least what I learned from personal experience is that you just, they have to want it for themselves. I think you Mm -hmm. can't, like it has to start, they have to want to turn on, you can't turn on the car. I'm using the car scenario. I'm not even a car girl, Yeah, but like they have to turn (laughs) on their own car. You can't turn the car on for them. They have to be able to do that on their own, which can be frustrating when you're on this big, beautiful, conscious journey, but yeah, you can only control you, right? And what you go through. But thank you. That's a very great, that's a great perspective and is really helpful. Yeah. Tell, yeah. Tell us with the remaining time we have left, tell us everything about your practice, how you work with people, everything you offer, and then how people can get started with you if, if you're accepting new clients and if they are interested. Yeah. I would love to. So I, I spoke about it a little bit kind of organically as we were talking about things, but that's what my practice is all about. Um, I've, went from the profession of traditional psychotherapy to now uh, coaching, which um, allows me to hold programs for mothers. And so I combine mindset work, spiritual work, and mental health work in a four-month program called the Conscious Motherhood Circle. It's like my baby. I love it so, so much. It's such a powerful container. We have retreats once a year, and only mamas that complete the program are invited to the retreats um, annually. And it's just a beautiful space where Mothers get to connect with other like-minded women that are willing and wanting to do the inner work for the betterment of themselves and their children. Um, They are spiritually curious of how motherhood could be even greater um, by connecting to your soul's purpose and your dharma at this time. And um, they're willing and they're ready to look inward. And so, um, yeah, the next round is actually beginning in August. We're already pre-enrolling. And if they want to work with me or if they want to find out more information, you can definitely check out my Instagram page and or my website that has all the information about the program. That sounds awesome. And you said it's a four month program. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. And what does that program look like? Is it like uh, live classes or on demand or mix of both? It's a mix of both. So I have um, modules that get shared at the top of every month um, that kind of set the course for what we're going to be talking about live that month in the program. And then we meet bi-weekly for 90-minute calls, us all together with the mothers that are in the program. And then you also get a dose of me for one-to-one time live throughout the program as well. And what stage of motherhood are these moms usually in that go through your program? Great question. I didn't clarify that yet. Uh, um, So it's specifically for mothers who are looking to get pregnant within the next year. Um, like currently trying to get pregnant, uh, mothers who are pregnant, and then mothers who have little ones up to the age of seven. That's that's awesome. So it's almost kind of like in that new parent, new mom, first time mom bucket. Yeah, 
Yeah. Wait, and uh, the retreat sounds that word always catches my eye. What does your what yeah. do your retreats look like? Yeah, so um, it's so so exciting because it's something new that we I've been wanting to do it for such a long time, and we finally launched the first one at the beginning of the year, and it was beautiful. Um, so the retreat is so the conscious motherhood circle. When I created this program, it was really to have a circle of mothers, right? And the beautiful thing about this four month program is that once you complete it, you're a different woman, you're a new mother with new insight, and you're able to kind of take on your life with a little bit of a different lens. And so the reason why I only invite women who complete the program is because every year now annually, the retreat gets bigger and bigger with more attendees, depending on how many mothers joined the program within that year and the years prior, right? So it's beautiful because you not only get to meet your mothers that you build a deep connection with in the form of the program, you also get to meet all the mothers prior that have done this program. And we get to share all of our wisdom and just connect and truly create a conscious motherhood circle once a year. Um, it's very, very spiritual. So we have um, everything from what we're eating to the activities that we're doing is very holistic. Um, it's meant to be kind of like a spa for the mother, a retreat in its, you know, in itself of where we get to be away from our children for one day um, and really connect and relearn all the things that we learned in the program on a much deeper and in-person touch experience. And it's where where in the U.S. is this usually hosted? So we did, we've done it in New York, um, but I, I've i been looking at some land in uh, North Carolina where I currently live to be to do the next one. That is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Julissa, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing all your wisdom. It was very, very cool. And I think people are going to take a lot out of this. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lena, for having me. It was, be I think the questions that you asked were so well thought out and just, I, I felt very comfortable with you. So thank you for having me. And I will most definitely come back if you'll have me to explain my birth story for my 12 pound baby girl. <laughs> yeah. Like literally I want that. Oh yes. Share where, <laughs> where everyone can connect with you. I know your Instagram is julisa.edwards underscore counseling and I'll counseling. make, mm -hmm. and I'll make sure that I include that in the show notes. So everyone, you can check her out. Are there any other websites or anything you want people to visit you at? Yeah. So that's my uh, Instagram page where I have everything motherhood related. And then you can also go on my website, julisaedwardscounseling.com. Perfect. Awesome. Everyone, thanks for listening. And I will include everything in the show notes. Catch us back next week for the next episode. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the New Mamas podcast. This podcast was created to help first-time moms everywhere navigate this new stage of life and talk about the honest and the raw moments in motherhood. I'm your host, Lena Forrestal. I'm a working mom by day and a blogger, photographer, and podcaster by mid-afternoon. And as a first-time mom myself, I'm on this journey with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. You can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Stay in touch by following us on Instagram at newmamaspodcast and Lena Forrestal. Thanks again and stay tuned next week for the next episode. Bye.